Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto us from him who is and who was and who is to come, our Lord Jesus Christ, shall we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee that thou hast allowed us to behold this beautiful resurrection morn. Father, we also thank thee that thou hast revealed unto us through thy holy word and through thy eternal gospel, that we are sinners before thee, and that truly we need a Savior and a Redeemer. So, Father, we do thank thee for this day, where we remember that thy Son, through thy power, has been lifted up from the grave, so that we too can rejoice in that work which thou hast provided for us through thy Son. So, Father, we turn unto thee this morning also to, to thank thee for thy grace and mercy as thou hast watched over thine own throughout the years and, Father, even unto this day. And we thank thee that thou hast provided for us also, as we have heard during these services, a Good Friday, a time when Jesus has taken our place, he has suffered for us. And Father, also our prayer is that we may know him and the power of his resurrection and the French fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. So Father, in these matters we do stand in awe and we look upon the great work that thou hast provided for us. We have much to thank thee for, dear Father. For by man came sin into this world, and also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And Father, we thank thee that Jesus came to restore all that which was lost in Adam. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear thy voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Father, we have much to praise and to thank thy holy name. Father, even as it was <clears throat> when the sun was darkened, as thy servant has made known, that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, Father, then we also today have access unto the holiest of holies. For this great work which thou hast provided, dear Father, and has been culminated now today as we remember that eternal resurrection, so that one day we also need not remain in the grave. For thy Son has already from the cross descended into hell, so that we would not have to go to the fires of eternal hell. And Father, we thank thee that he has risen again, and one day he shall come to receive his own. Father, we ask that thou would be with us here this morning, that thou would strengthen the brethren, hold up their arms, so that the word may be given unto them. And Father, we thank thee also that today we can partake of thy, the holy, the body and blood of thy Son, Remembering this sacrifice 
of which we have heard during this past week, Father. Hear us, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us first this morning hear from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah as he gave thanks and praise unto God. And I'm going to read the twelfth chapter of his writings. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation, and in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things, this is known in all of the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. What a joy it is for us as the children of God, to come together in worship on this beautiful Lord's Day morning, the morning in which our thoughts have been centered upon the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. The one who said, No man takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father and to us also on this day. It often seems as though the ancient apostolic greeting takes on a greater and a deeper meaning. When we hear the salutation, as we have heard, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I call upon each one of you who is here today that you would be in a spirit of prayer, that God would be present, that he would uh, come in and uh, be among us through the power of his Holy Spirit and make his will and his way known. It is my prayer today that the Lord Jesus who said, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me, might also this day be magnified through his word and by the abundance of his blessings of grace and peace. Today for our scripture text, I'm going to read not one of the Gospels, but I am going to read 
from the writings of the Lord's Apostle Peter, how he, in the opening verses of his first letter in the first chapter, began by sounding the praise of God. I will read from the third verse in that first epistle, first chapter, and I begin reading in the Lord's name. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation... The prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Amen. These are thy holy words, Holy Father. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is everlasting truth. Amen. Many times in the period between the crucifixion on Good Friday, on the resurrection, on the morning of the first day, we revisit those sacred scenes as we meditate upon the record that the evangelists have given us. And we know that there were certain things that took place that have left their imprint upon our hearts. And so this morning, as we think in terms of the work that God had begun and which he was also to finish in the lives of those who were actually in the company of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. We know how carefully God cared for them, how he blessed them and brought them again 
through the power of the resurrection to that newness of life which is found in the crucified and in the resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not read much about those who were in the inner, the intimate circle of uh, followers of the Lord. We do read concerning the women that after he was taken down from the cross, when Joseph the rich man had asked that he would be given the privilege of taking care of the body of Jesus. And these women went uh, and followed the those that took the body and placed it in the garden tomb. They wanted to see where the body of Jesus had been placed because it was their loving intent to go there after the Sabbath and to anoint the body for its permanent burial. And we are told that when they had seen where the body had been placed, they went and procured the spices that they were going to use And then they observed the law of the Sabbath and they went and rested according to the commandment. But in the other camp there in Jerusalem, there were some major concerns. It seems as though the disciples themselves and the women had absolutely no recollection of the fact of that important promise which the Lord had given them when he had made known to them time and time again, not only that he was going to go up to Jerusalem, that he was going to be delivered into the hands of sinners, that he was going to be crucified, and that he would die. But he had also made known to them that on the third day I will rise again. But it was not in their book of memory. There was such hopelessness and such despair in their lives that the thought of the resurrection as he had promised didn't cast even a little shadow of hope upon them. But in the other camp, in the camp of the enemy, we know that the Lord's promise was remembered. And it was remembered with fear and with consternation They wondered what they could do to ensure that the Lord would not rise again. And of course they looked at it in a different way, perhaps not actually believing that he was going to rise. But as they said when they went to Pilate and asked that the tomb would be sealed to ensure that his disciples would not come there, steal his body, and take it away, And then they said, the last error will be worse than the first. And so Pilate gave them leave, and the stone placed at the door to the tomb, and it was sealed. And then we know what took place when the Marys, early in the morning while it was yet dark, began their walk to the garden tomb, where they had seen the body of the Lord as it had been placed there. And as they were walking along the way, according to the writings of one of the evangelists, they began to inquire between themselves about the removal of the stone. 
They wanted to know who would be able to roll this stone away. And when they came there, miracle of miracles, they saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance to the tomb and that the tomb was empty. And still they did not remember the promise of the resurrection. A message was sent to the Apostle Peter, whose writings we have here read, and to the disciple John that the tomb was empty. And the Word of God tells us that these two men then went to the tomb and one ran faster than the other. And when they came there to the tomb, they looked in and they went in and they saw that it was exactly as it had been told them that the body was not there, but the linen clothes were lying there in the tomb. And then we are told that they believed and they went away. <clears throat> and as we think in terms of that record of that testimony, where it says that they believed, I do not know if we are to believe that they really understood that he had risen or if they wondered what had happened to the slain body of their Lord and Master. But it tells us that they simply went away to their own home. And now we know what had taken place after the body, after, after the Lord had risen, how the prison guards were told that they should say, we slept while we were on watch. And if this would reach the ears of the governor, then they would secure them. And so this was uh, the story that was reported. And uh, Mary, who had come there first, she tarried at the garden tomb. Remember how she stood there and she wept? She wept there because the body of her Lord and her master was not there. And then when Jesus prepared to reveal himself to her, you will recall that she thought that he was the gardener. She didn't recognize him as Rabboni as she did later when he had called her by name. But first he asked her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And you will recall how she answered that she was looking for her master. And then she asked him, If you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him. And it was then that Mary heard a voice and uh, that she recognized the one who called her by name, Mary. And then she said, Rabboni, and it is apparent that she was going to reach out and that she was going to touch him. But he told her, Touch me not, because uh, I have not yet ascended unto my father and to your father. And then, isn't it amazing, that he made her his emissary, his messenger. He told this Mary, But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my God and your God, and unto my father and your father. And so Mary brought that wonderful message, the message of reconciliation between God and the sinful children whom he had created in his own image 
and who yet inhabited the earth. And surely today, that message is of great importance to us. And I believe that it was also of great importance to this apostle whose writings we have read here. For we remember he had a very dramatic experience shortly before the Lord went away to the cross. There had been an exchange, as we well remember, between Jesus and the disciples, and particularly between Jesus and this disciple Peter, for the Lord had told his followers that all of you are going to be offended because of me this night. And Peter had said, Though all men would deny you, yet I will never deny you. I am ready to go with you both into prison and unto death. And though the Lord made reaffirm what he had said, Peter was adamant in his rejection of the words of his Lord and his Savior. But we know that it didn't take long until the Lord's prophecy came into being. For when they, Peter was admitted into the courtyard of the high priest, John had spoken to the woman at who was keeping the door. She had admitted him. And when he was there in that company, he was approached by a, a lady. And you will recall that she asked him if he was not one of this man's disciples. And he said, I am not. And uh, two other times, he was approached in the same way. He was even told that you're a Galilean and your speech betrays you. And Peter said, I don't know what you are talking about. And finally, when that third and critical denial came in the life of the Apostle Peter, where we are told that he cursed and he swore, and he said, I don't even know that man. He heard the cock as it crowed, and then the eyes of the Lord fell upon Peter. Peter saw the Lord. He saw him looking at him, and we are told that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Before we begin looking at the verses that we have read, I'd like to ask you, what do you think that Peter saw in the eyes of the Lord when the Lord looked upon him in that crucial moment when he had fulfilled that prophecy of his Lord that he had said would never, never come to pass. I believe that he saw not the fiery eyes of hatred. I, didn't, I do not believe that he saw condemnation and judgment, but I believe that he saw love, forgiveness, and compassion. And remember, in the writings of this apostle, he quotes a wonderful Old Testament prophecy where it is written that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Even a sinner such as I am this morning a sinner such as you are, and a sinner such as Peter was, can claim that wonderful promise. When your righteousness and mine 
is the righteousness that is not only acceptable before God, but when it is the righteousness that is pleasing in his sight. So pleasing that when God looks upon a saved, a cleansed, and a justified sinner, we can believe that even as he said in regard to his son, at the baptism in the Jordan and on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When we possess by faith as the gift of God that righteousness, then we can also believe that God can take pleasure in looking upon his children for he has provided for them the righteousness of which Jesus spoke when he said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I'm having a little trouble with my voice here this morning. Now let's go back to what I read. And isn't this a most fitting way for this apostle to begin his writings by the praise and the honor of God? And he writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a wonderful promise God has fulfilled in and through his only Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes I pause before that meeting that the Lord had with his disciples on the evening of the day of resurrection. And I particularly like to look into that gospel where it tells us that when the Lord met the disciples who were there behind closed doors, it tells us in one place that they believed not for joy. They believed not for joy. Isn't that a strange statement? It is not a strange statement when God has done his wonderful preparatory work in our hearts to cause us to recognize and to know what unworthy sinners we are. And yet, as with the disciples, when the Lord came to greet them that evening, his first word to them was the word of peace. Truly, it must have seemed too good to be true when these disciples had all forsaken him and fled. And yet when he came there to greet them, it was only with peace, with compassion, with love. And isn't that the way we have experienced also when the resurrected and living Lord has come to us under the burden of our sin. He has not chastised us. He has not punished us. But he has, as we have heard him say, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. I want to share an experience that I had some time ago in our city. One Sunday morning when I entered the pulpit and as I looked upon the little congregation that we have there, I saw a man sitting in the pew who hadn't been in the church for tens of years. He and I were the same age. We had sat together in pews in the back of the church when we were boys, but I hadn't laid my eyes upon him for many years. And so I had a little carnal thought. I wondered, well, what's he doing here? I was so surprised to see him. But after the service was over, he paused at the door and he asked me, can I meet you this week? And he said he'd like to come to my house on Tuesday evening. We made the appointment, and I was wondering that day, will he come or won't he come? But promptly at the hour of seven, he was at the door. And when I opened the door and I took a look at him, I saw a man who was torn. He was torn between two powers. I knew it immediately when I saw him. And you know what he said to me? He said, I almost went back to my home many times. And that is exactly what I had seen in that man. A man who wanted to be there and a man who didn't want to be there. We went into my office and sat down and then he began to pour out his heart. He began with his life story a story that had led him in many, many sinful paths. And you know that he was so overcome with grief that many times during the hour that we sat there together, he would lay his head down in my lap and he would sob and sob and sob. And when he regained his composure, he went on and he continued to tell his life story. And when he had come to the end of that long story, then he looked at me and he said, I have come here praying that I could repent and receive the forgiveness of all of my sins. And I assured him that through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was more than adequate forgiveness for him because the prophet long before the Lord came had made the statement that he would make double payment for our sin. And you know, when I accompanied him to the door, instead of the man that was torn between wanting to be there because God was drawing him and not wanting to be there because Satan was trying to oppose him, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, I am a new man. And I told him, that is exactly the way it is. Because the Bible tells us that if, he, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And the apostle went on and he said, And all things are of God who has reconciled us unto himself through Jesus Christ and has committed unto us both the word and the ministry of reconciliation. When we look then at what Peter is telling us here, that it has been the power of the resurrection, the power of endless life that makes it possible for us to have that assurance 
And that confidence that uh, we have received not only the forgiveness of all of our sins, but we have received a robe of righteousness and the gift of eternal life. When I was quite a young boy, I attended a home service in our area where there were some preachers of the word from one of the other parts of our Lestadian revival movement. I had not been in any of their meetings before, but we went there together with some of the other friends who were members of our congregation. And as I sat there under the hearing of the word of God, this brother was preaching from the writings of Paul the Apostle in the Romans epistle and in the 10th chapter where he talks about his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And he came to that verse in in that text where it says that if we believe in our, that Christ has been risen from the dead, then we will receive the assurance of our eternal salvation. That quote escapes me. I'm going to turn to it so that we have it exactly as it is. Here it says in verse 9, But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when he came to that verse, I was very much surprised. He pointed at me, a teenage boy, and he asked me to explain this to everyone who was here present. I was a very shy and bashful young fellow, and I scarcely ever even wanted to say a word in a Bible study. But when he singled me out and wanted me to explain this, and he asked the question in this way, he said, why is it that here the apostle did not say that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that Jesus died on the cross, thou shalt be saved. He asked, why didn't he say that? Instead of saying that if you believe that God has raised him from the dead. I thought for a moment. And then I said that uh, if the Lord Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, then we would all yet be in our sins. For the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ would not have been complete. For he came here in order that he might fulfill all righteousness. And we know that that work began when he was conceived by the virgin, in, by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the virgin. And we know that it included his birth. We know that it included all of that which he did while he was here on earth. And it also included not only his sinless life, his atoning sacrifice, but it included his resurrection from the dead. And what does it include today? It includes today the fact that he is our great high priest, the one who was tempted in all points like as we are, yet within, yet without sin. And he is the one who even now is at the, inter, at the right hand of our Father, interceding in our behalf. 
And so it is not our intention to divide up the work of redemption, but it is our intention to look at it in its entirety, always recognizing and knowing that the resurrection power is what gives us this newness of life. And we have the promise as Brother Arnie read the other evening, concerning the fact that flesh and blood isn't going to inherit the kingdom of God and corruption is not going to inherit incorruption. But this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. And then is going to be brought to pass the saying that is written that death is swallowed up in victory. And so I am sure today that each one of us here who possesses the assurance of eternal life possesses it because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And the Bible tells us then that those that sleep in Jesus, God is going to bring with him. Now then we are told of the inheritance that has been provided for us when it says to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. What a beautiful description of that which awaits the children of God. Everything that we have here is corruptible. Everything that we have here is defiled. Everything that we possess here is going to one day fade away. But not that inheritance which has been... I just didn't go out to the airport, or Mary and I just didn't go out to the airport last uh, mon uh, Saturday morning or Friday morning and get on the plane. We had made reservations weeks and weeks before in order that we would be able to come and go when it was necessary for us to come and go. These are vital in our lives here. But this tells us that this inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. Some years ago, when Brother Sewer was here from Norway and we had been traveling together, and when we finally came back to our church in Seattle, and as we drove into the churchyard, I drove into the parking spot of the church that has a sign over it that says, Reserved for the pastor. I park there all the time without even looking or knowing, thinking of that sign. And when he saw that, he said to me, I see that you have a reserved spot in this churchyard for your automobile. And then he said, but all of us have a reserved place in heaven when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that an amazing thing to think that individually that host that John saw, a multitude that no man can number, of every nation and people and kindred and tongue. Each one of those white-robed saints has a place that is reserved in heaven for them. And I shouldn't say it that way. I should say that each one of you who is here today, who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has received the forgiveness of all of your sins, who has received the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart, who has the robe of righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ, you too and I too have a place that is reserved in heaven for us. And I can tell you one thing. I know that you will not look for a better place than the one that has been reserved for you.
It is so absolutely perfect, and it will be it will be your abiding place, not only for a brief lifetime as it is here, but it will be your abiding place in the eternal ages that are yet to come. And think of it that while we wait, we have this promise that we are kept or guarded by the power of God through faith unto the salvation that is going to be revealed in the last time. Think of it. I'm sure that Peter, even at this writing, must have remembered the gracious work of his Lord during his time here on earth. And I'm particularly thinking of what took place in the garden when Peter, James, and John rested only a stone's cast away from where Jesus was praying. They slept, and Jesus came and awakened them, urged them to watch and to pray. They slept again, and the Lord came back and ministered to them in exactly the same way. They slept, and the third time he came back once again that he might minister to them. And I must acknowledge this morning that the Lord has so done in my life, not only three times, but over and over again, he comes to minister in times of joy and in times of sorrow. I want to share an experience that I had some years ago. You know, as we labor in the word and doctrine, we find not only those days that uh, seem to be more blessed, but we find those days also where our joy is not quite as complete. And then we find those days where there is discouragement that rests upon us. And one weekend in our area, I had been traveling and I had had some difficulties along the road and I was quite discouraged. I was quite down and I had to go down to the city of Portland to conduct a wedding service there. I went alone and I remember that Mary told me that I should not drive home late that night all by myself because she knew that I was discouraged. She pleaded with me to spend the night and I could rise early on Sunday morning and still be back in our pulpit at 11 o'clock in our church in Seattle. I did as she said, but the Sunday morning was even more difficult than the Saturday night. When I got into my car, I didn't even ask the Lord to be with me. I could not even pray. I began my drive And I had not gone any farther than crossing the interstate bridge between Oregon and Washington when I knew I was not alone in my car. I sensed the presence of the one who had come to Peter and James and John in the garden. He was there and he had come uninvited. 
I hadn't even asked him for his presence. And do you know that as I drove along the interstate, it seemed as though David's experience was repeated in my life. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And by the time that I reached the church and entered the pulpit, all that I could say was, Not unto us, Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name be the glory. And how good it is for us that we can also believe this morning that it is the Lord who is the one who keeps or guards us by the power or through faith unto the salvation that is going to be revealed in the last time. I have already taken so much time that we will not be able to go through the balance of our scripture text here, but we have these promises, which I would like to read as we go through, beginning with verse 6, where it is written, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it would be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, whom though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What a reward the Lord has in store for us. The salvation of our souls. But it comes in all of its reality in its fullness when faith has come to an end. When faith is exchanged for sight and hope for attainment and that which is in part for the glory of God. Then let's look for just a moment or two where it tells us here in verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Here we see how the Apostle was able to see that in the Old Testament time, through the writings of the prophets, these things were made known. They beheld them through the eye of faith. They did not live to the time of their fulfillment, but they lived in the same faith, in the same justifying and saving faith that you and I have been privileged to live in. The only thing was they believed in the promise, they trusted in the promise, They knew that the promise would ultimately be fulfilled. And we who are here today, we who are the New Testament believers, we have believed in the fulfilled promise, in the fact that Jesus did come and that he did fulfill all righteousness. 
but we have not seen him with the natural eye, as the Apostle Peter tells us, but through the eye of faith we have been able to behold him whom to know aright is life eternal. Let us this day then acknowledge all that God has done for us in his Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then, in the words of the prophet, whose writings I also read this morning, we can truly say, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. This was one of my father's most favorite portions of God's holy word. I can remember from earliest childhood he would so often quote these words. And when the Lord took him from us some 25 years ago, and Mother and I were talking about and engraving to put on his grave marker, I told her, I do not think that we can find any better message to put on his tombstone than these words. Behold, God is my salvation. And so now, whenever we go there, in Father's native language, in the Norwegian language, I can read this portion of God's holy word. I can be reminded that his trust was in God and in the salvation that God provided through his only begotten Son and in his teachings. Father always made known to us that we are totally bankrupt sinners, but we have one who has wealth untold, who has been able to provide for us those things that are of eternal worth. And what are they? They are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. They are the attributes of the kingdom of which the Lord spoke as he did in the presence of Peter and the other disciples when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. What a blessing we have in this eternal kingdom. Amen. Let us pray with and for them who will today partake of the Lord's Holy Supper. The Lord Jesus Christ, thou bread of life, grant that thy holy communion may be a blessing to all those who today shall partake of it, that through the power of thy body and blood they may receive peace and comfort to their souls, and be strengthened in faith, love, and a lively hope of eternal life. Amen. Truly it is meet, right, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. On the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave it to his disciples, saying, 
Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us all praise our Lord Jesus Christ has taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with thee.
May the holy body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken. Proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart from the Lord. May the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken. And proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.
this, the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for this gracious gift which you have received, and proclaim his death until he cometh again to receive you unto himself. Arise and depart in the Lord. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.
May the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for this gracious gift of which you have partaken. Proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord. body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.
May this, the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for this gracious gift which you have received, and proclaim his death until he cometh again to receive you unto himself. Arise and depart in the Lord. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.
true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life Amen praise the Lord for this gracious gift of which you have partaken and proclaim his death until he cometh again arise and depart in the Lord May the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift, of which you have partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.
this the true body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for this gracious gift which you have received. And proclaim his death until he cometh again to receive you to himself. Arise and depart in the Lord. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.
May the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Pray the Lord for this gracious gift of which you have partaken. Proclaim his death until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the Lord.